This is Chris Reynolds and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to apply at theentrepreneurhouse.com. On today's show, we have one of the youngest serial entrepreneurs I have ever met as a guest. His name is Carl Conger. Carl's just 20 years old, but don't let his age fool you. He's been in the entrepreneurial game for eight years already. He started out hacking away at the age of 12 on his family's home computer. The main reason he did this? To support his family. Carl's from Estonia and his family came across a time when money was tight and there wasn't many opportunities in the economy. So Carl, as a young boy, did what any ambitious son would do. He found a way to make money and help his family out. Fast forward eight years later, Carl was wrapped up in selling monetized pros, which he picked up 13 months earlier and grew it by a thousand percent. But get this, Monetize Pros wasn't the first business he sold. He has sold a couple others and has been growing as an entrepreneur at rapid rates. In today's show, Carl shares about buying and selling a business at rapid rates, the highs and lows of this process, and tips on making sure that the sale went as smoothly as possible. And with that, let's welcome Carl to the show. Welcome, Carl, to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm doing awesome. Carl, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Saigon, Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh City. How long have you been there? I've lived here on and off for about two years now. I, th- I think I'm actually closing up on my anniversary here. I've heard amazing things about Saigon. What do you like about it? For me, Saigon is all about the community. So one of the main, it's, it was my first destination in Asia as a location independent entrepreneur. And even before I moved out here, I knew there were a lot of amazing people out here, especially online entrepreneurs and and by now we have a very big community here of like established serious hustling entrepreneurs we want to get into you as an entrepreneur and what you have going on these days so I'm super young but I started doing online marketing online business at a very young age so I actually ended up starting at the age of 12 because my parents my parents got divorced and my mom got laid off her job at the same time we were not getting child support or alimony or whatever and I was like okay I gotta do something and at that age I couldn't really get a job and uh, I knew like we needed to make some extra money somehow mm-hmm. and I was always this like techie nerdy nerdy kid building his own computers and playing video games and my English was always fairly good coming from Estonia and I was just like okay I'm gonna Google how to make money online mm-hmm. and I started building out these like small websites monetizing them with AdSense and cost per action offers, content locking, and doing doing all this stuff. At first, it was just about that, and I kind of got addicted to just buying cool things that a normal twelve year old should not have in a poor family. <laughs> yeah. And down the line, let's say I did that. I was just doing things for the sake of making money for about a year or two. Mm-hmm. And then at one one point, I I realized so everything I did online was based on search engine optimization back then which is basically uh, ensuring your website is number one for a keyword that a person searches for in Google. And about two years later, I realized, I was like, whoa, people Google for knowledge. I can decide what's number one and everyone trusts it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have the ultimate power. I can do whatever I want. And, and that's where I got like obsessed with SEO. I became better at it. I started working with clients. 
I ended up starting uh, SEO agency back then mm-hmm. at around the age of 15, and I was making some pretty good money. And in the end, I kind of started hating all my clients and, and hating <laughs> SEO and hating myself for doing doing this stuff just for the sake of money. And then I stopped doing that. I started building more websites for myself, started uh, a watch store back, back in Estonia, and a lot of like side businesses and kind of like spreading out. So I started this like big portfolio of 20 to 30 Amazon affiliate sites and, and these side companies. When you were young living at home, Carl, what was your mom thinking of you doing all this on the computer and bringing in money? She never really understood it very well, but she never asked too many questions either because she didn't really understand it. Mm-hmm. She was just very grateful for it. So initially when I was like too young to have a bank account, everything just went straight to her and she would give it to me in cash and I'd give it back to her and say like, okay, keep it for that or do this. And uh, eventually I started skipping school because I had so much work and I had like client calls like super early in the morning so I need to catch up on sleep and so on. So I started, started pretending I'm sick and because I was, my mom knew that I was actually working, she would just let, let me do that. Mm-hmm. She was like, okay, yeah, sure, you're sick, stay at home. <laughs> and uh, and it just kind of worked out for us. And eventually she she kind of realized that, okay, he actually knows what he's doing. Like, I'm going to stay out of it. Just let him do his thing. So you were supporting the family then? Yeah, for sure. Oh, wow. How long did that last until you moved away from home and the family was okay on their own? Yeah, so I did that from 12 to 18, and then I moved out. And now, nowadays, I still try to try to support my mom, but she's she's a little bit better off nowadays. So mostly, I re I reinvest uh, most of my earnings, so I can hopefully get her even something even better a few years from now. Yeah. Do you feel like you missed out on school any because you're working so hard on your business and playing? We call that playing hooky in America. Do you feel like you, you, you missed a part of your childhood or do you think that was a, a really good investment for you? Definitely not. First of all, it was a very good investment and I didn't, even though I skipped school, I wouldn't skip like evenings or stuff and, and, and the crowd of people I was hanging out with, with at that time was like older folks because I never resonate with people my own age. Mm-hmm. So I, would, I started drinking at a really young age and going out and doing all of these things. So. I basically had like the college experience at like 15. Oh wow! So, okay. I, I I think it was like pretty well balanced for me, and and I think it worked out for the best. So right now I'm kind of the opposite of the the average person my age, whereas like I'm not partying as much, I'm not messing around, I'm just like very focused on work, and I actually like I'd rather prefer settling down mm-hmm. versus going out and going crazy. How old are you now, Carl? I'm 20. 20? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you recently acquired a business and then sold it in about 13 months' time. And I'd like to talk about that. Tell us the reasons for you deciding to buy this business. So was a website about display advertising and uh, blogging and website monetization. And it was something that I know a lot of people struggle with. And something I was particularly good at because I'd kind of been a jack of all trades and I tried dozens of different methods to to approach online business and, and, and websites and stuff. 
So when I saw the website being listed at about 90,000 visitors a month mm -hmm. for a very low price, like the site itself, ironically, was not making a lot of money. So just like the amount of traffic it had did not make sense. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of a no brainer to invest in it because even with like small tweaks, I knew it could be making more money, which would drive the valuation multiple higher. I could show a growth trend, rebuild the site and, and probably flip it later on for, for a much higher price. So over the course of actually purchasing that site, uh, initially it was more about growing traffic and, and trying different things. But actually the big wins on that very site were switching the monetization methods and, and taking a different approach. So moving away from, let's say, display advertising and more towards blogging and stuff that allowed us to grow at about a thousand percent in valuation in one year. Mm -hmm. And actually, as I met you in Bangkok last year in October, uh, we were sitting down for lunch and you were asking me what I do. And then I mentioned that site and you were like, oh yeah, we met your business partner. And it was a company with a very similar name. And when I heard that at that table, we we always kind of like planned selling that business down the line. Mm -hmm. And I recognized the name of the competitors and I was like, oh, this is definitely an opportunity because I knew they were much bigger than us and, and they probably acquired businesses before. They had a big team in place to actually grow that site. And uh, I just kind of, after meeting the competitors at the conference, I kind of steered it a little bit towards uh, suggesting like maybe you could acquire us because we're we're kind of moving in a different direction and uh, I'm bored with this and so on. And we actually ended up making a deal happen there. Nice, man. Congratulations. Is this the first business that you've sold? This is the third one I've sold. Okay. This is definitely the biggest one. The rest were like small one-off affiliate sites that I sold for, let's say, five figures. Are you a solopreneur or do you have a team set up? I've been a solopreneur most of my life, but this now I'm more uh, of a team kind of person because growing Monetize Pros, I, I think we had about four staff total. Mm -hmm. And that's probably one of the biggest wins I made with that business versus the other ones I had is I actually gave people responsibilities, hired like actual smart people, not just assistants and, and, uh, and freelancers. And now I'm, I'm more focused on building an actual team so now I have a rule that I don't hire people who are who are less than me. So everyone in the room is going to be smarter than me. They're going to have something to teach. That's a great strategy. Where'd you learn that? Uh, from my business partners, actually. So we've been working on setting up a new company ever since we ever since I exited and started working on this new venture. And it was about hiring, and I was like, okay, we're we're going to hire in Vietnam, and we can get this and this for like. 500 bucks a month, 600 month, 600 bucks a month. And they're like, are these people going to be better than you? I'm like, no. So why would you hire them? Like, you're just going to keep training people forever. Mm -hmm. and you're going to stay in the same spot. And like, then they brought up some examples and so on. I was like, all right, this makes sense. And I started talking to my other entrepreneur friends who have built seven, eight figure companies. And most of them told me essentially the same thing. Like you don't want to get stuck managing people, training people who, who are not worth it essentially. Right. So 
I'd like to learn, Carl, some key takeaways that you had from growing it a thousand percent in in a year. What were some of the key lessons you learned from that experience? I'd say the number one lesson that that comes to head right away is document everything. Create standard operating procedures. Don't just keep your business and how it operates in the back of your head. So that was important both for growing, growing the business, uh, bringing on new people to the team as well as selling it. Simple stuff like uploading a blog post. Essentially, if I would bring on a new team member and teach them to, to do that, with like proper search engine optimization, adding links, pictures, formatting, everything. It would be one day of sitting down and explaining for each staff. And sometimes you hire someone, they quit after a month, or or you decide to fire them for, for some reason. Then you have to train the next person versus writing up a proper document in like one time that you can give to a person and be like, okay, here's what you do. And that saved me a lot of time. And when it came to actually selling the business as well, it, it was another important point because you have to help the new business owners take it all over and manage it and grow it. Mm-hmm. So half of the stuff that were critical to the business were in the back of my head because I was working 16 hours a day and actually doing all of this stuff. So I had to write up after the sale was completed took me about two weeks to write everything up and just to give it over to them. So ideally you would have stuff like this prepared from from like when you actually start doing a task. Did they take the team with them when you sold the business, Carl? Uh, so we kind of were moving towards an exit so I'd kept the team smaller by that time. So mm-hmm. we only had one full-time staff who was fairly new towards the end and I decided to keep him because he was not essential to the business he was not like a like a core member yet and uh and the new buyers had uh they had a big team of their own that could manage it probably better than than my current staff could have do you plan on duplicating this process since you did it in such a short period of time uh i considered it a lot because to me it was it was very exciting to see some months the business doubling, sometimes growing 25%, and just like being able to do this whole thing of like, we grew this thing a thousand percent in one year, which is like kind of unheard of in so many ways. So I like doing things that seem impossible or or seem a little bit ridiculous, and that's what's pulling me towards to doing it again. But at the same time, now, like this is the real answer is that no, I'm not going to do it again because I've found myself very amazing business partners who are probably 10 times better than me. So let's say a thousand percent better than me and I've got the opportunity to start something new with them that's probably going to be at a very different scale. And like I can just learn so much from these guys that it would just be, it would be silly for me to just keep flipping these small websites. So more for you, it's more about learning and growing as a person these days instead of just making money. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's the way it's been for me for the past like four or five years now. It was always about being the best. Like I'm a, I'm a very competitive person. I want to get the best results. I want to be the best marketer. I want to be like the best, best man. I can be the best version of myself and so on. So I felt like 
just grinding for grinding for a year on the same thing and then knowing that you're gonna you're gonna leave that eventually it's kind of like working towards nothing mm-hmm. versus the next project we're starting is like very long term with probably almost no intention to actually sell it Carl, I'm curious, what are some things that you do personally to help you grow as a person that's outside of your business? So I try to take care of myself emotionally by meditating a lot. Mm -hmm. So I take uh, breaks at work fairly often to just take like five, ten minutes off and, and stop thinking and relax. I try to go to the gym at least five, six times a week, take care of myself physically, uh, I try to read at least one book, uh, one book a month, which unfortunately this year has not worked out that well. Mm-hmm. So this is a, sometimes even two. So last year I managed to read one business book every month and one one like self development or fiction book, and that's probably been a big part of my my progress over the years. Excellent. Occasionally, I also listen to podcasts. Uh, so, for example, where most people will go jogging and they listen to music or they watch series, that's that's the time I listen to podcasts and really like try to focus on the content as well. Mm. Uh, for example, when I'm taking a lunch at the office, I try to watch uh, either listen to a podcast or watch something like Gary Vaynerchuk instead of just going out for lunch. Like these small things, I th- I believe they really add up. Yeah, I think so too. If there's some listeners that are interested in buying and selling a website and growing it rapidly, what are some suggestions that you would give to them? I know you mentioned make sure you document everything, but what are some other tips that you could give to somebody that's curious about that? I think a really big part of it is not rushing into it. So a lot of people I know who have bought websites, like you tell them that, okay, you can buy this like asset online it's probably going to make you all of your money back in two and a half years. And if you grow it, that's going to be even quicker and it's going to be worth more. So you're going to get cash flow. You're going to get an asset that's going to be worth a lot more. That's when they go like, okay, I'm going to buy something. And they just, they look at the listings on brokerages uh, that are live right now. They go through all of them and they feel like they have to choose one right away. because They want to get started. They're excited and so on. And that's where, where they get sloppy with their due diligence, they don't actually vet the websites properly, and they just make bad decisions based on gut feelings and like don't analyze the investments and their own strengths as much. So rushing into buying something as an investment, that's probably the number one mistake. And the second one is not playing to your strengths. So for me, this one was a no-brainer because it had over a almost 100,000 visitors a month, mostly through organic traffic, and I knew I could improve that with my SEO knowledge. Uh, For example, I've never sold a single physical product, as in actually fulfilled it. I've worked with e-commerce clients for marketing, for SEO, for for like generic consulting, but I've never actually ran an e-commerce store. So for me, it would be very silly to invest into an Amazon FBA or a dropshipping business, for example. Yet a lot of people do that because it seems interesting or because it seems, uh, let's say, more legitimate than running a content website. Carl, I'm curious if we can dive into your specialties specifically and give some tips to the listeners. 
for any listeners out there that are, let's say, running a six-figure business, what can you tell them about SEO that you think is essential? Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> I think that's that's something that's been very neglected in the SEO industry. And the reason is that SEO is just so much money. Like A lot of these six-figure businesses depend purely on Google for their entire business. And there's a lot of money going around in SEO and buying links, selling content, selling private blog networks, selling all these tools for crazy, crazy monthly recurring fees and so on. So everyone kind of has their own story. So Google is telling everyone SEO is dead. Private blog networks are saying Black Hat SEO is like the best thing on the planet. Moz wants to sell their like an- analytics analytical technical SEO software so they're like okay black hat doesn't work white hat is the way to go SEO is super alive so take everything you read about SEO with a very serious grain of salt and that's something I've noticed doing SEO for about eight years is that the same things still work as eight years ago sure like small tactics have changed so people do not spam uh, block common backlinks anymore. People do not uh, post on forums for backlinks. Uh, private blog networks may get penalized a little bit more often now. But essentially, it still boils down to on-page SEO, which is basically making sure that Google understands your website in the right way and getting backlinks. So the quality of backlinks is more important nowadays, not the quantity. But backlinks are still probably 90% of SEO. So nowadays, the best way to go about it would be creating unique content that people want to link to. So for example, doing original research. So if you read blogs like uh, Kissmetrics, Backlinko, whatever, the main links these high authority websites give out to is to original research. So if you had an article about, let's say, abandoned carts, and you would say that, You did original research, you looked at a hundred store, and the average abandoned cart rate is 67%. So any time Backlinko is talking about something related to e-commerce and mentions that percentage, they will link back to you. And I found that for Monetize Pros, for example, we had about 30,000 backlinks from 1,300 domains, and the majority of them went to uh, research articles like that where we had original data and uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Next. Don't believe don't believe the hype. The same things that worked eight years ago still work. Just keep building, keep building your business, and and kind of looking at it from Google's perspective. Killer tips from an SEO expert. Appreciate it, Carl. Carl, if the listeners wanted to reach out to you and learn more about what you have going on, what's the best way they could do that? So the easiest way to reach me right now is by email at carl at resultcompass.com. That's Carl with a K. And right now I'm working on a new company that's going to be content marketing and lead generation for SaaS companies. So that website is not up yet, but it probably will be in a month or two. So if you're interested in seeing how quickly I get my work done and whether things actually progress if you're listening to this at a later date, check out mrr.media. So that's the name of the new agency we're working on. 
Excellent, my friend. I want to give you a big thank you for coming on to the show, and thanks for sharing your wisdom and your story. We really appreciate you, man. I think you got some great tips for the listeners. Thanks a lot for having me, Chris. It was a pleasure. And listeners, we're going to wrap up there. We'll see you all on the next episode, and goodbye, everybody. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day to day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for those that are in the Entrepreneur House, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year we have three different events, a three-day productivity weekend in different cities all around the world, a two-week all-inclusive retreat for entrepreneurs with six-figure businesses. This will be full of workshops, masterminds, and adventure. Then a four-week event in Chiang Mai, Thailand for established entrepreneurs, also full of workshops, masterminds, advisors, and fun weekend social events. Be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible. These events will fill up fast. For those of you that are interested in have some questions be sure to contact us through the entrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact we will respond as soon as possible for now saludos from somewhere in the world